Hey, ladies, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha Stefankowitz, registered dietitian and nutritionist. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about different disease states that affect women more than men or that have a little bit more of a higher prevalence with women. Today's episode, we are going to talk about the seven most common cancers that affect women and just talking about if you are someone at average risk, what that screening criteria looks like. I think a lot of us associate October with Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Breast Cancer Walks and Breast Cancer Charity Groups. And so I didn't want the month to go by without talking about the different kinds of cancers that affect women. We're not going to go deep into the different cancers because there are seven of them that we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk briefly about some of the risk factors and what the screening criteria is, And but we're really going to concentrate on any of the the things that we can do to prevent it. For so many of these cancers, a lot of like genetics, mutations, and heredity are going to have a big role in your development and the risk factors associated with it. But there may be some things in terms of a lifestyle that we can do to help decrease our risk. Before we start the episode, I want to remind you of the mission of this podcast, which is to have women feel like you are worthy and deserving of having the health and making the health changes that you desire and that you deserve to have. So if there are women like you who you think would benefit from this podcast, please share with them so that we can grow this mission and empower women to start putting their health first and not put themselves last and not feel like they're undeserving of that. So please, I would be so grateful if you were able to share this this podcast with other women like you who you think would benefit in, in growing this mission. Okay, so when we talk about the cancer facts for women, most of the information that we are going to do here today is going to come from the American Cancer Society. Their website can be found at cancer.org or the American Institute of Cancer Research, which is AICR.org. I will put this, both of these, in the show notes. Everything that I like to talk about on these podcasts are evidence-based, and so a lot of the research for cancer is done on these websites, and so I will be quoting some of the statistics that they have. When it comes to cancer for women, what we see are the most common um, types of cancer for women are, I'm going to tell you all seven of them now, are breast cancer, colorectal cancer, endometrial cancer, lung cancer, cervical cancer, skin cancer, ovarian cancer. So with these different kinds of cancers, some of these cancers as we go through are going to have some diagnostic tests that we can get regularly to see what our risk is. And some of them, there are no diagnostic tests available, and it's going to be based on watching your body and being comfortable with your body and noticing if there's any changes with your body. So the first one we're going to talk about is breast cancer. So breast and skin cancer are the most common types of cancer in women who live in America. Breast cancer can occur at any age, but typically the older you are, the risk of of getting breast cancer also increases. Breast cancer in general is, as probably most of the cancers that we're going to talk about are, the easier, the if you are able to find the cancer earlier before it has spread, it may be a lot easier to treat and may prevent death from the disease. So for breast cancer, because there is regular screening techniques available, getting these regular screening tests are the most reliable way to find breast cancer early on. 
breast cancer is something that I feel like most women have experienced or have known, not that they've experienced, most women have a friend or a family member who has had breast cancer or who may have died from breast cancer. You may even have had a dad or a brother or somebody die from breast cancer because it's not uniquely for women. Breast cancer for a person who is at average risk of breast cancer risk, typically the American Cancer Society recommends a woman get mammograms starting at the age of 45 to 54 every year. Your, how much, how often you have to get the mammograms done, a lot of that is going to depend on what the results are and what your family history of is of breast cancer. All of the screenings that we talk about in here are going to be somebody with an average risk. But certainly if you are a woman who is at high risk for breast cancer, because perhaps you have a family history, you have a genetic mutation, or you have other risk factors that come into play, then you may have to be screened for breast cancer earlier, or each screening you do may be more invasive and you may have to do it for a longer period of time. But technically, the recommendation for a woman of average risk for breast cancer is starting at age 45 to 54, you should get a mammogram every year. And then after the age of 54, that the amount of screening is going to depend on whatever it is that they found as whatever your doctor recommends in terms of what your family history, your risk factors, or what your breast tissue looks like. Colorectal cancer is typically cancer that's found in your colon or your rectum. We know that with women and men, they're seeing a lot more colorectal cancer in people that are younger. With colorectal cancer, luckily for us, there is some regular screenings that we can do to see what our colorectal cancer risk is. Colorectal cancer is also something that screening can help to find colorectal cancer earlier, which makes it a little bit easier to treat when you find it when the cancer is smaller. The American Cancer Society recommends that, again, people of average risk for colorectal cancer, whether you're a man or a woman, should start screening at age 45. Obviously, if you're somebody who is at higher risk or has some family history of colorectal cancer, may need to start screenings before the age of 45. They may need to be screened more often, or they may need to get much more specific tests than just a colonoscopy, which is how you're going to screen for them. Again, all of these are going to be dependent on whatever your family history is, and that's going to be up to you and your doctor to decide that. But with colorectal cancer, what they're going to look for is they're going to look for polyps or any small growths that are in your colon and kind of go from there. So screening is recommended at age 45 as our mammograms for average risk women. It's going to be for 40 ages, 45 or older. Next, we have endometrial cancer and endometrial cancer is cancer of the inner lining of the uterus. Endometrial cancer is particularly scary because there's no real screening test or exams to detect endometrial cancer early in women who are at risk or women even who don't have any symptoms and who may not be at risk. Endometrial cancer is like breast cancer in the sense that the older the woman becomes, the more at risk the woman is of developing endometrial cancer. And with endometrial cancer, there are lots of factors that can affect endometrial cancer development. If you have, if you were a woman who 
was getting tamoxifen for breast cancer, you may be more at risk. If you have early onset periods, if you have late menopause, if you have a history of infertility, if you have a history of not having children, if you have a history of HNPCC or Lynch syndrome or polycystic ovary syndrome, you may be at risk for endometrial cancer. So for you, I mean, for any woman, it's just important that you get regular pelvic exams and that you talk to your healthcare provider about what your risk is because there's not a test to determine your risk for endometrial cancer. The American Cancer Society recommends that women who have this HNPCC or Lynch syndrome be offered yearly testing with an endometrial biopsy starting at age 35. Okay. So those particular women are going to probably, it sounds like they're at a higher risk. They need to get tested earlier. Lung cancer is the next cancer that we're going to talk about. And I think lung cancer tends to be synonymous with smoking tobacco. Although there's people that there's lots of people that may never have smoked that get lung cancer. Lung cancer can also be associated with different chemicals or particles in the air that have now gotten into their lungs and have and have led to having some kind of of cancer. In terms of lung cancer, it's for lung cancer, most of the, it gets tricky because you may have a history of smoking. You may have a history of not smoking at all, but certainly if you still smoke, the recommendation is to quit or to talk to your healthcare provider about doing, just kind of talking to them about your risk of developing lung cancer and doing lung cancer screenings. And the American Cancer Society recommends that this is in their quote, if you smoke now or did smoke our ages 50 to 80 and in fairly good health, you might benefit for screening for lung cancer with a yearly low-dose CT scan. So that would be something that you would talk to your physician about to determine what your risk is and if that is something that you need to undergo to see your lung cancer risk. The next cancer we're going to talk about is cervical cancer. And cervical cancer, we're going to talk a lot about this in the preventative section because cervical cancer has been linked with chronic infection. And HPV is something that as women, probably most of us, I think I have a history of HPV and you might too. So this is a really important risk factor when it comes to cervical cancer. Other risk factors besides HPV for developing cervical cancer is that you smoke, you have a weakened immune system, you've had chlamydia, you may be taking hormone treatments, just things like that. So for cervical cancer, what you can do to decrease your risk, if you're having, if you're getting cervical cancer related to HPV, which how would you know, you would protect yourself by using condoms. And the other thing is, is that you could also consider if you're young having an HPV vaccine, this is typically recommended for girls and boys age nine to 12. The American Cancer Society recommends that people at risk for cervical cancer either have testing starting at age 25 or that people between the ages of 25 and 65 should get a primary HPV test every five years. So having regular screening tests can help prevent and find changes in your cervix. And that probably looks like going to the gynecologist and speaking to your doctor to see what your risk is and having regular screenings to help prevent any development. The next two cancers and the last two cancers we're going to talk about is skin cancer. And 
this idea that skin cancer is like, like I said at the beginning is one of the most common cancers when it comes to American women and skin cancer is something that anybody can get, whether you're a man or a woman, typically people who are at a higher risk of developing skin cancer are going to be people with fair skin, but certainly anybody can have and get skin cancer. The most and the easiest way that you can reduce your risk of skin cancer is to limit your exposure to any UV rays and be aware of any moles or spots on your skin and make sure that you have a skin exam done and a checkup. And I think that's usually like making sure that somebody has eyes on any of your moles or anything on your skin at least yearly so you can see if there's any changes. And the last cancer we're going to talk about before we talk about the preventative part of this is ovarian cancer. And ovarian cancer is a cancer that can happen at any age. This is another cancer that is more likely to occur as women get older. People who are at risk for ovarian cancer are people who have never had children or people who have had their first child after 35. Again, this is with women who have this NHNPCCR Lynch syndrome are going to be at risk for ovarian cancer. Women at risk, women who have a history of ovarian cancer or breast cancer are more likely to have a higher risk of ovarian cancer. So what is some of the things that you can do to determine your ovarian cancer risk? At this time, there is no cancer screening to determine ovarian cancer risk. And so some of the things that you would look for and see a healthcare provider for would be if you've noticed that your belly or your abdomen is swelling, but you're having weight loss, if you're having any digestive problems, so that would be gas or bloating or loss of appetite. If you're having abdominal or pelvic pain, if you're feeling like you have to pee all of the time. And so now that we've talked about the different kinds of cancers that affect women, I want to really spend some time talking about some of the things that we can do to decrease our risk of reducing your risk of developing these cancers. There's going to be lots of risk factors that you may not be able to control, like genetic mutations and heredit and your family history, which is going to put you at a higher risk. But some of the things that we can do and that we can control are what I'm going to talk about in here. So although you can't determine and you can't control your family history and your genetic mutation, some of the things that you can do are what we're going to talk about now. So the first one is to stay away from tobacco. So we know that tobacco increases your risk of cancer development. Tobacco, we're talking about things like cigarettes and vaping and e-cigarettes. And we're also talking about people living with someone who smokes because even though you're not smoking, you are with somebody who is smoking and then you're going to have that go into your lungs too. And we know that when it comes to different kinds of cancer risk, we know that smoking is something that increases your risk. So one of the ways that we can control to decrease our risk of developing any one of these cancers is to stay away from tobacco. Another risk factor is controlling your weight. So I don't always like to talk about weight. I feel like it, weight is something that ends up being like a hyper focus for women. And I like to concentrate on the behavior, which we'll get to. But the research does show that women who are able to stay at a healthy weight are able to reduce their risk of cancer development. And so I'm not sure what the association with that is. It might be related to the behaviors, but certainly the research does show that getting to and staying 
weighing at a healthy weight is something that is very important when it comes to your cancer risk. One of the two things that may really influence what your weight is, is moving and getting regular physical activity. So we know that regular physical activity is going to be something that as we continue to do this disease series or these conditions that affect women, regular physical activity is going to probably be something that's recommended in all of these disease states. I have done an episode on physical activity and its importance. That's in episode six, if you want to learn more about that. And really the recommendation for are for adults to get a minimum of 150 minutes per week of physical activity. You can get more than that. I mean, ideally, if you can get up to 300 minutes per week, that's great. But for most people, most women are probably not doing nearly 150 minutes a week. That can be broken down into five days a week at 30 minutes. Most people aren't doing that. So even if you're able to just get to this 150 minutes per week, whether that's walking five days a week, 30 minutes at a time and getting your some steps in, that's a great way to help decrease your risk of cancer development. One of the things that I think is the most controllable is following a healthy eating pattern. So we're not talking about here like dieting, but there is research that supports the idea of what you eat reduces your cancer risk. There's a lot of research with this actually. And what we know is going to be the diet pattern that is going to be so often found in most of these disease states, not just cancer, is going to be a diet that a diet lifestyle that you've heard about, an eating pattern that you've heard about. It's going to be eating plenty of fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And it's going to be this idea of limiting any red meat or processed meats or highly processed foods. So I know that you all know this, but I just feel like sometimes it's important to review this because we've done this on this episode. We've talked about different eating patterns, but they all come down to the same thing of eating more fruits and veggies, eating more whole grains, eating less red meat, and eating less processed foods. So this is a really great way that you can decrease your um, your cancer risk. You know, in addition to decreasing your cancer risk in the way that you eat, it also helps decrease your risk of heart disease, diabetes, stroke. And we'll talk about that on the upcoming episodes. But typically when it comes to cancer risk, And you're going to find a lot of this information at the American Institute of Cancer Research, it's AICR.org. You're going to see that the recommendation is typically to have at least five servings or more of fruits and vegetables. And most people are going to maybe eat about like one or two servings a day in America anyway. And so there's a lot of room for improvement that we can do here as women to try to increase our fruit and vegetable intake. I think that's probably one of the probably easiest ways that we can reduce our risk of cancer is increasing the amount of veggies and fruit that we eat per day. Well, five fruits and vegetables sounds so crazy, but think about it. If you're having a cup of salad, that's going to be one serving right there. And then if you have anything that goes on top of the salad, that's just going to be more and more veggies that you're adding to what you're doing. Even if you're able to get a fruit or veggie for each meal, that's better than nothing. So a lot of the research supports the idea that any fruit and vegetable is better than none at all. Because what's really important when it comes to cancer risk is that veggies and fruit have these phytonutrients in them. And they help decrease your overall cancer risk. So if you're not eating fruits and veggies, then you're not going to get those phytonutrients that help prevent cancer. So that's why they're really important. And again, they're important for other things too. 
So in addition to fruits and veggies and whole grains, you also want to decrease the amount of foods that you eat that have red meat in them. Like um, I think the big thing is like your red meat, your your um, like your lamb, things like that. You're going to want to avoid like any processed meats or processed whole grain, processed overgrained products. So your processed meats that you want to limit the amount that you take in is like bacon and lunch meat and hot dogs. And you probably want to reduce the amount of like processed foods that you do. So that's going to be like your junk food. That's going to be like your your cookies and your baked goods and your chips and things like that. Again, I'm not telling you to never eat these things again, but I'm saying to you is that you want to have these you want to have these in moderation. You don't want to have them all this. You want to have the fruits and vegetables, which are going to give you much more bang for your buck. And then other things that are that you want to try to limit are going to be things like soft drinks and sports drinks and fruit juices and things like that. Because they're just going to give you like lots of different sugar, but they're not going to provide any like real nutrition content to you. So when it comes to like your eating pattern, these are some of the ways that you can reduce your risk. Another lifestyle factor that influences our cancer risk is alcohol consumption. Right now, I think alcohol, like you either go back and forth where alcohol is really cool or it's not so cool. But typically for women, the benefit here is no more than one drink per day. And I think sometimes we think it's more than that and that there's more of a benefit than there actually is. But the research suggests that it's really no more than one drink per day for women. And if you want to find more information about that, I did a whole episode early on about alcohol use in women, and that's in episode 10. But really limit alcohol intake and to not have more than one drink per day. Another lifestyle factor that you can do to limit your exposure or risk for cancer is to protect your skin. Remember, we talked about skin cancer is the number one, in addition to breast cancer, is one of the most common types of cancer that affect women in the United States. So a way that you can reduce your risk of skin cancer is to avoid both UVA and UVB light exposure, both of which are harmful and increases your risk of skin cancer. Skin cancer and your light exposure is going to vary according to where you live. It's going to vary according to the time of year and the time of day that you're out in the sun. So things that you can do to protect your skin would be to wear sunscreen. If you are wearing a sunscreen, that's probably not enough. You would need to remember to reapply. And then also to wear things that are protective to your skin. And that could be wearing protective clothing, wearing hats and sunglasses that can protect us from the sun. Another thing that we can do is to avoid any tanning beds or any of the lamps that maybe we used to use when we're 20, but now we know more. So we probably don't do it as often, but for sure, protecting your skin is something that is important. Another thing with protecting your skin is that I know even I do this where I want to go out in the sun for a little bit because I'm typically vitamin D deficient. So if you are somebody who does wear a lot of sunscreen and who does not have exposure to the sunlight, you may in the winter months need to be tested for vitamin D levels and see if you are deficient because you will then probably need to take some kind of vitamin D supplementation for repletion purposes. So if you don't spend a lot of time in the sun and it's coming to be winter months for you, I would talk to your doctor about getting regular or at least yearly vitamin D screenings. 
The last two things we're going to talk about is how we can reduce your risk of cancer is really knowing yourself, your family history, and all the risk that is part of your life. So I, as much as we can talk about any of these things, we, I don't know, I know it's important for us to know what, how much exposure you're outside. It's important to know what your lifestyle is. Are you more at risk for developing these things because you are leading, you're smoking and you are more inactive and you eat foods that are more processed? Well, that might put you at higher risk. If you have a history of different kinds of cancer, that might put you at higher risk. So it's really important for you to know what your risk factors are. And then also it's important for you to have regular checkups and cancer screening tests. If you're somebody who has a history of HPV, know that HPV is linked to different diseases and different cancers. So HPV is linked with six different kinds of cancers. In women, HPV is linked with cervical, vaginal, vulvar, throat, and anal cancer. And in men, it's linked to penile, throat, and anal cancer. So really just trying to figure out like if you have a family, if you have a history of HPV, this is part of it is like knowing yourself, knowing what your risk is. If you have, if you've had HPV in the past, making sure that well, that you're kind of on top of that and you're up on your screenings for it. If you have kids that are young enough that they can get HPV vaccines, trying to explore that and to see if that's something that you want to have for them that you want them to go through. And then the last thing that you can do is to have regular checkups and cancer screening tests. You know, I think especially now with COVID, at least for me, I know that a lot of my regularly scheduled exams and preventative tests that I usually have and my screenings have all been delayed because of COVID. And I know they've been delayed for you too. So if you are having any symptoms that you're worried about, I would advise you to talk to your physician or to schedule a checkup. And then to remember, like if you're over 45, you need to have probably your mammogram. If you're start thinking about if you need a colonoscopy and start thinking about if you're having any symptoms that you're worried about. Because part of this journey into becoming empowered into your health is also going to the doctors because that's a big thing, right? A lot of us don't want to know our numbers. We're too scared. But that's a way that you can take really good care of yourself. And it might not be easy and you might be really scared. I'm right there with you. I have a mammogram tomorrow and I'm scared to death. But I think it's like early detection is something that's really important. And it's just, this is something that we can do to empower ourselves to, to, and we can show our kids like that this is really important and that we're taking care of ourselves because nobody else is going to do it. The only one that's going to take care of you and to see these things and to know if there's something early that could be a problem is you. So I don't enjoy doing it either. And it's really scary, but I know how important your health is to you. And I know that what works for someone else may not work for you. And someone might be a little bit less scared than you, but remembering that like, Whole health in itself is not an impossibility, but it might require you to do something different and to do something that you're scared of doing and that maybe you're a little uncomfortable with doing. 
But even if you haven't gotten any of these regular diagnostic exams, maybe even just scheduling that exam will be something that brings you 1% closer to being in charge of your health. And maybe it's going to be something that over the long haul, it frees you because you, you got it done even though you were scared. So just remembering that like any change that you make today is going to lead to some kind of cumulative health change and guide you in the direction that you want to do and that who you want to be. I encourage you, if you are over the age of 45, to get a mammogram, to get a colonoscopy. I encourage you to start looking at any of the meal patterns that you're doing and to look and see if there's anything that you can do when it comes to decreasing your risk of cancer or disease development. And again, the things we talked about were tobacco abuse, trying to maintain a weight that's healthy for you moving at least 150 minutes per week, starting to think about ways that you can increase the fruits and vegetables that you're consuming so that if you're doing no fruits and vegetables now, even if you put like three fruits and vegetables in your day, that's some kind of change. Starting to eliminate or decrease the amount of soft drinks and lunch meats and hot dogs that you're eating. Starting to think about alcohol in a way that it can increase your risk of different diseases that you have. So how to moderate your alcohol intake so that if you're a woman, you have no more than one drink per day how you can protect your skin and make sure that you wear sunscreen and protective clothing and things to help you reduce your risk. Knowing your family history, knowing what puts you at risk, knowing if you are someone who is at risk for HPV and what you can do about that are kind of following up on that. And if you have any kids that are of age to get the HPV vaccine, if that's something that is appropriate for your family. And then lastly, encouraging you to follow up on any regular checkups or cancer screening tests that may be overdue because of COVID or because of fear. I encourage you to get this done. I am in the midst of doing them too, even though I'm scared and I don't want to get them, but I'm right there with you. So just know that I'm doing it too, and I would love you to do it with me. Okay. So we'll be back here next week and we'll talk about some more things and I'll see you guys back here next week. Have a great week and be kind to yourself. Bye-bye. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Being a busy woman or mom doesn't mean that we have to give up on our health, wellness, or self-care. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. You can find us at wholehealthempower.com or on Instagram at wholehealthempower. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.